Hello and welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Football Podcast. Coming at you, recording just after the end of that Patriots Cardinals game. Uh, Patriots end up taking that one 27 to 13, but we will get a full week 14 review for you. Lots of injuries, lots of action on Sunday, Cody. Uh, give me just kind of a, a few words about how it went for you, uh, fantasy wise or you know betting wise on Sunday. Well, fantasy-wise, went a little bit better than uh, on the gambling landscape, but uh, uh, fantasy-wise, ended up sneaking into uh, the playoffs in in my third league. So I'm three out of five on making the playoffs. So pretty happy with that. Uh, one of the league, one of the leagues I missed the playoffs in. I'm actually the third highest point scorer uh, once these week once week fourteen gets added in and somehow missed the playoffs. So can't be too upset there. That's just basically luck. So. Uh, that one kind of stung, but we're ready to roll. I do want to go ahead and recap real quick our best bets because Nick just keeps it rolling. He went 3-0 and this weekend, 27-14-1. and uh, If you are not checking out our best bets, they are released basically every Sunday you know, between 9 and 10 a.m. And um, I would definitely ride with Nick. Me, on the other hand, I am still just riding my slump a little bit. Went 1-2, for 20-21-1 uh, overall. So finally hit the negative there. Um, the Broncos hit the second over the year. Going back, I probably would take this under again, but it was a pretty public bet at this point. Basically, everyone was on the Broncos under. Vegas always finds a way to make money, so you had to do a bet. Eventually, someone was going to hit that over, and of course, it's the one where they set the over-under at 44, so just complete Vegas move there. And then, uh, you know, betting on the Buccaneers, I, I just got I got to stop doing that. I mean... I made the same mistake with the Broncos earlier in the year, making trades for Russell Wilson and Cortland Sutton, just hoping they could turn it around. I guess I felt the same way about the Bucks for a little bit too long. So um, just time to accept that you cannot bet on the Bucks. They cannot cover a bet anymore to save their life. So um, last thing, Nick, time to quit your day job. Focus on sports betting. Hope Lana is okay with that. Yeah, no, you just got to – I got to get her in on that. So, Cody, if you could just repeat that for me next time we're together, that would really help my case. Uh, yeah, I, I think I kind of echo, echo what you said about your bets. I, we both love that Broncos Chiefs under. Uh, you know, defensive touchdowns are always going to be the bane of under betters. I'm not sure it wouldn't have hit anyway if that happened, but that kind of set the wheels in motion as far as the, you know, kind of crazy score line end up that ended up happening in that game. But we'll get to that later as far as the details go there. But yeah, the Bucks bet you might just want to stop putting your money on Tom Brady, especially on the road against a good defense. They uh, they did not leave any doubt there that uh, this team is just no longer an elite unit. So they got their asses handed to them by Brock Purdy in his first start. That's never a good sign. Um, but let's yes, let's go ahead. Did you uh, did you end up making the playoffs in all of your? Leagues? I did. I know you were yes. questionable about one or so. There was yep. one. Awesome. I was uh, I was out of you know I was I was. I was in basically all of them coming in except one. Snuck in the sixth seed in that league, luckily, because another team lost. So getting in at six and eight feels pretty good. Uh, we just got to get in the dance when it comes to fantasy. But unfortunately, I did not secure a buy in any of the four leagues I play in. So going to be really sweating next week. Going to go over all the data for week 15 because I got four important matchups. Hopefully, I advance in at least two of them. If we get to three semifinals, then I'll be happy. But. Uh, we're at least in the dance in all four leagues, so you can't ask for much more than that. Yep. Uh, let's go ahead and jump That's into awesome. these injuries. Uh, there is quite a few of them, so uh, bear with me here. I will give the information that I do have so far on these guys, but again, 
you're going to want to pay attention to the week 15 preview for uh, a full you know, look at the, uh, the action on these injuries because we'll get a lot more information as the week develops here. Starting out in Cincinnati, two wide receivers go down in this one. Tyler Boyd dislocated a finger. I believe it was in the second quarter. Saw a report says he'll miss one or two weeks. So if you were counting on him in a flex spot uh, in a league, I would make other plans. He's probably going to be out at least next week, maybe even the week after that. His teammate T. Higgins, he got hurt in warm-ups. This one was a really tough one for any fantasy manager trusting him uh, on Sunday because there wasn't a lot of reporting about it coming into the game, obviously, because it happened so soon before kickoff. But Higgins ended up playing one snap and then uh, went out. So a total goose from T. Higgins. Just a really tough break there for Higgins managers. He's actually done that three times this year, leaving a game uh, within the first you know, five to ten snaps. So just kind of bad luck there for T. Higgins managers. Hopefully he can come back uh, at some point here in the playoffs, but we'll just have to monitor him moving forward. Damian Pierce, he left pretty late with an ankle injury. I saw a lot of people missed this one because he still ended up with 22 carries, uh, 78 yards and a score. So he had a pretty good game, but he did leave late with an ankle injury. Uh, keep an eye on that if you are planning on starting him next week. I have a lot of concussions to get to here. Corey Davis left the game early with a concussion. He's in the protocol. Tyler Huntley left the game early. Uh, he is in concussion protocol. Russell Wilson left the game early. He is in concussion protocol. And Kenny Pickett. Left the game almost immediately, only attempted one pass. He is in concussion protocol. So three starting quarterbacks go down this week with concussions, and then a fourth uh, that we will get to at the end here that just happened uh, earlier tonight. Debo Samuel, looks like he has actually avoided a high ankle sprain. This injury looked way worse than it ended up being uh, at the time. He got carted off. Uh, a lot of people assumed his season was done, but still think he'll miss a couple weeks with this ankle injury. I saw... Uh, a report saying that the 49ers are targeting that Week 17 game against the uh, Vegas Raiders. So if you are, you know, a playoff team with a bye, I could, uh, you know, I would probably recommend hanging on to Samuel. But if you need the roster spot, uh, I I think you can go ahead and drop him. We'll talk more about that when we get to uh, the actual 49ers game, though. DJ Moore, he picked up an ankle injury very late in the game. He you know, completely goosed you. So many people might have thought that that injury happened early. No, DJ Moore ended up playing over 90% of the snaps, just uh, could not get anything done against the Seahawks. I think his fantasy prospects are pretty much over for this season anyway. Jeff Wilson Jr., he left the game early with a hip injury. Not a lot of updates on this one. Seems like he has avoided worst-case scenario, so he has a chance to play this week. He's day-to-day, -day. Uh, but again, we're going to need more updates on that one. Lots of injuries on Monday night on both sides of the ball, but the big one, Kyler Murray, he left early with a knee injury. It's all but confirmed to be a torn ACL, non-contact. Uh, it got carted off. He was, you know, very distraught leaving the field. It's uh, it seemed pretty, pretty clear that this was an ACL injury from the beginning. Almost always is when it's a non-contact like that. So really tough to see for the Cardinals. Hopefully, uh, you know, Kyler Murray just has that ACL tear, and there's not further damage to his knee. If so, he might have a chance at getting back uh, for Week One next year. Ramondre Stevenson. He left early. Uh, then he came back for a couple plays, and then he left again with an ankle injury. Again, no update here on this one. I can't imagine it's a high ankle sprain if they let him come back in the game, but uh, I am no doctor, so don't take my word for it. We're just going to have to see how Stevenson progresses this week. Devontae Parker, his teammate, also left early with a concussion, uh, so he will be in the protocol as well. Any uh, big reaction to these injury updates, Cody, before we head into the matchups? 
Yeah, we'll definitely get into each of these probably more as we get into the matchups, but some Kyler Murray, uh, my buddy Jake, I know you listen to the podcast uh, pretty frequently, so if you are listening to this one, I'm sorry your season came to an end in the uh, very early in the first quarter tonight, man. That that stunk. I uh, was hoping that you would sneak in over some of the other guys in that league, but uh, he, he needed Kyler Murray to put up about 20, 25 points for him tonight, and uh, obviously had that taken away from him before the game even really got it started. So that really stunk. And, I mean, a lot of these injuries are going to be really impactful for fantasy. So let's go game by game. Let's see who we need to take a look at adding, who we could take a look at dropping, and uh, load up for some playoffs. Yeah, I'm sure your buddy is not alone. Uh, just obviously with it happening so early on, I'm sure there was a lot of bad beats on Monday night with fantasy managers expecting some for points sure. out of Kyler Murray. Just uh, always a really tough way to go. Because you never, you know, there's always just that what if to see what would have happened if your player played. But hopefully Kyler Murray, the man, is all right and is able to come back early next year. Uh, well, let's start off with that Thursday night game. Baker Mayfield with the late game comeback against the Raiders. Rams take it 17-16 at home. My stat of the game, uh, per Elias Sports Bureau, this one was pretty surprising, honestly. The Rams' 98-yard TD drive was the longest go-ahead touchdown drive to start in the final two minutes of a game in the last 45 years. Only the Raiders, man. Only the Raiders could have pulled that off. And uh, on the offensive (laughs) side, it was really a one-man show as far as fantasy goes. Josh Jacobs had a pretty good day. Not incredibly efficient, but he got the work. 29 touches, uh, 27 carries on the ground, 99 yards and a score. Caught two balls for 15 yards. So he had a solid game. But Derek Carr, just a complete dud. This is just one of those classic Derek Carr games that he has a couple times a season. As soon as you think you can trust him, he does this to you. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's not like, you know, if, if it's, uh, you know, if you give me a, a 201 with a pick every once in a while, I can live with that. You know, give me 10, 12 points. Can't have your best, uh, you know, your best game every time out. But Derek Carr just has a habit of having these absolute, you know, bottom falls out type of games. 137 through the air, two picks, 11 yards on the ground. So ended up with two or three points, depending on your scoring format. And uh, yeah, I, I just I think this is what happens when you start to trust Derek Carr. I, I really don't have much else from the Raiders side. It's pretty much Jacobs and Adams moving forward, and then Carr still matchup dependent, but they have some tough matchups moving forward. So I think you're uh, you know you're looking elsewhere for the most part, other than Jacobs and Adams. Yeah, I, I agree with you um, on the most part there. Uh, Adams, another stat of the game: Devontae Adams not even targeted in the second half from Derek Carr. So. You would think if you didn't have your best stuff, you'd at least look your guys' way uh, or your best guy's way. So, I don't know. I feel like as bad as Derek Carr was, the offense in all in a whole kind of looked like they were playing not to uh, lose that game instead of just kind of running it up on the Rams. So, uh, maybe a little bit of play calling there as well. But, I mean, Josh Jacobs definitely benefited with 27 rushing attempts. <laughs> Barely did not hit that 100-yard mark. But, um Josh Jacobs did also get a little bit banged up. Have you had any update with his injury at all? Have you seen anything? I don't think so. I saw him. I think he got banged up and came back at some point. There was a finger issue. Um, So if he came back in the game, I have pretty high confidence he's going to be okay. Haven't seen anything that his, uh, you know, week 15 status is in doubt just yet, but we'll keep an eye on it. Okay. Um, 
Cool. And then the only other guy here with the Raiders, uh, Darren Waller, if he gets activated at back out there at the tight end, are, are you good with just throwing him right back out into your fantasy lineup if, if you need him this week in the playoffs? Yeah, I would like to hear some you know reports that he is not going to be on a snap count or anything like that. That would probably scare me off of him, especially in the first week of your playoffs. But, uh, you know, tight end is a, a barren landscape for the most part right now. So, if you got Waller on your bench, on your IR, and then you know he has a full practice on Friday and he's good to go, then I'd probably be fine throwing him out there just because you know he's he's going to end up in the top seven or eight just by being Darren Waller. And this Raiders offense needs some other options beyond Adams to to you know help out in the passing game. So he is necessary right now for what they're doing. Yeah, if you're in a league that does not have an IR spot, make sure Darren Waller is not out uh, on waivers Absolutely. this week. He is currently on waivers in my work league, so I will be putting one in on him. So just double-check that and make sure that he's not out there. Same with Dallas Goddard. We'll get to him later, but in case you can't listen to the rest of the podcast, sure. very similar situation should be coming off IR this week. Um on the Rams side, uh, it was a good story. Uh, Baker looked good at the end of the game there, really didn't do – basically anything before that to, to inspire any confidence, but you can't really blame him too much as much as, as easy it is to hate on Baker. Uh, it was nice to see him, you know, show this at the end of the game. Uh, just, just a guy that's taken a lot of crap this year. So I'm glad that he got out there and, you know, had his moment for the Rams here, even if it ends up being kind of the only one, but I don't think we have any interest from him as a, uh, from a fantasy perspective. The only other guy that I want to talk about uh, beyond, we'll get to Cam Akers in a second, but Ben Skoranek, Looks like he might be Baker's guy here. I'm sure he's going to start the last few games just to kind of see what he has here. Uh, do you have any interest in Skoranek, uh, picking him up in deeper leagues, or are we just kind of thinking this is a one-off? Skoranek, 7 for 89, had 8 targets. So decent target volume from Baker. Any uh, any interest? Um, I mean, I would say in a very deep league, could he be someone that you maybe – I would say he's more of a guy I'd want to pick up and just make sure I can hold on to so he doesn't get played against me just because if you're in a full PPR league and he gets that kind of target share, that could be kind of dangerous. But, um, you know, ultimately I think you kind of said it best when we did our podcast on uh, Thursday night after the game. I would be very happy to see someone in one of my leagues spend fab on one of these Rams wide receivers and then play them against me in the fantasy playoffs. So, um, whereas I think maybe, you know, Skoranek, someone you put like a $0 bid on, if you have an, you know, an extra roster spot, that's fine. But I'm not going to waste any fab, um, unless I just, unless it, again, it's just, an, if you have like two defenses, you know, an, an extra backup quarterback, you have all your matchups played out and you just need to throw someone on the end of your bench, that's fine. But I'm not going to want to have to pay up on these guys for fab and then put them straight in my starting lineup. I just... That's super risky business, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd say only full PPR are we taking a shot on him on the bench. But, yeah, I'm not very excited about any of these Rams options. We can kind of parlay that into Cam Akers. Uh, he seems like he's going to stay the lead guy, at least for now. Uh, he's been, you know, he's had two straight weeks where he's gotten basically all of the carry volume out of the backfield. Uh, 12 or 42 in this one with a score. Uh, caught his only target for a yard and then lost a fumble. So ended up not great for fantasy didn't kill you but uh, i think he's just severely lacking an upside i guess he's worth rostering uh, just because running backs are so scarce but uh, i am not excited in any degree or form to, to play him in the playoffs uh you know i just don't think there's really any upside here unless he falls in the end zone a couple times 
Yeah, and next two matchups are against the Packers and the Broncos. Neither of them are overly friendly to the running back position. So, um, yeah, I mean, Akers, I think, is a very low-end play. I mean, if you're in a shallow league, I'd I'd hope you'd have someone better if you have a playoff-level roster. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I think that's really all we have from the fantasy options in that game. Let's go ahead and jump into the Sunday slate here. My first game is Jets at Bills. Buffalo ends up taking it 20-12. to My stat of the game, 10 straight punts to start this one. That is the most in a game since 2016. So uh, the fact that they even got to 20-12 to is pretty impressive considering how slowly this game started. Uh, I can't remember exactly what the score was. Was it was it 0-0 going into half, or was it 3-0? I believe. I, I just remember looking up and just seeing this game at 0-0 for what seemed like forever. Yeah, it was a really long time. I know the Bills scored a touchdown to make it 7-0, but I can't remember if that was right before or right after halftime. But, I mean, it was basically almost the full first half was 0-0. So, um, yeah, very, very low scoring. Yeah, you were right. Uh, 30 seconds left in the, the second second quarter, they scored a touchdown. So, yeah, this, this game started out very sluggishly, but I think it was classic December football in Buffalo. Uh, it was cold, rainy, and really just ugly all around. Uh, two good defenses, and, you know, bad weather like that is just sort of going to, to lead to this sort of thing, especially in a divisional matchup. But Mike White actually, I think he looked pretty good in this one. Uh, 27 for 44 for 268. It's not going to knock your socks off, but, again, really tough conditions against a good defense on the road. Had his team in this game for basically the entire way. Uh, he kept taking huge shots in this one. I mean, just <laughs> I could feel his pain through the you know through the screen there. I, it's not all. It's not very often that you see a you know non illegal shot just look so painful. But he took a couple of them where you know these guys just came in off the edge with full speed and absolutely, you know, shoulder right to his ribs a couple times in a row, but he kept getting back up. Team has named him the starter for next week, so uh, as long as he's good to go, uh, those sort of things can kind of, uh, you know, tighten up after a couple days, so we'll have to keep an eye on him, but as long as he's good to go, I, you know, I have full confidence in Mike White against Detroit at home, assuming the weather's not crazy bad, but uh, for the rest of the team, I think uh, there's a couple guys that we need to have a discussion about here. Garrett Wilson is good. Six for seven, 78 yards, not a huge game, but uh, he's still the wide receiver one there. Uh, Elijah Moore is the more interesting discussion. Uh, Davis went out with an early injury, so Elijah Moore got 10 targets. Only six for 60, but do you have any interest in picking him up? Would you rather pick him up or uh, Ben Skoranek? Um, I would rather pick up Elijah Moore for sure. Yeah, me too. Um, especially if, as long as we don't get any negative news about Mike White, um, and even, I don't know, if Mike White were to not be able to play, do you think they go to Zach Wilson or do they just stick with uh, um, Joe Flacco, who's been suiting up as the backup? That's a really good question. In my head, I feel like they would go back to Zach Wilson, but I really hope they would go to Joe Flacco. I think these options would be much better off for it. They really need to win, too, against Detroit this Sunday. So I think Joe Flacco gives them the best odds yep. to do that. Uh, yeah, but I, if I had to guess right now, I would say it'd be Zach Wilson, unfortunately. Yeah, I do like Elijah Moore. He, I think he's one of my favorite wide receivers this week to pick up. They play Detroit next week. Um, as we, we will get to Detroit, again, they are just dominant against running backs in this recent stretch they've been on, but they love to give it up to the wide receiver position. So they do. Uh, I think Elijah Moore is a great play, especially if you need someone to pick up and play straight into a playoff game. I would much rather pick up someone like Elijah Moore over those Rams guys. 
Yeah, I think so too. He's just way more talented than uh, you know the Ben Skoranek's of the world, anyway. So uh, we liked that player quite a bit coming into the year, or at least I did. So uh, him actually getting a chance here to be involved in this offense could be good things for fantasy managers, especially with that Detroit matchup coming up. Zana the Knight is the other guy I want to have a, t- a talk about here. It's 19 opportunities. He was the lead guy. Uh, I think he looked, you know, looked the part as well against a tough Buffalo defense. Grinded out 71 yards on the ground on 17 attempts, scored, and then caught two targets as well for six yards. I was glad to see him be at least somewhat involved in the passing game uh, after Michael Carter returned. Carter was still the passing downs guy. He ended up with six targets, but only five carries. Uh, I'm not sure I'd be dropping him either because he could get more worked in. Maybe this is a health thing, but I just think Zonovan Knight has looked the part and will probably continue to remain the uh, you know the the main guy from a rushing standpoint. I'd call him you know a back end RB two moving forward and maybe even a, a mid to high tier RB two in the right matchup. What do you think about him? Yes, I, I agree with you. Um, I was a little bit hesitant on Knight coming into this week. I thought that Carter would kind of get back more to splitting carries and get the passing down work, which he did see a good amount of. But um, his carries, he had five attempts for five yards, so one yard per carry. Definitely not going to get the job done there. So I think going into next week, I'd have Knight as a flexible option. Again, again they will be playing Detroit. Detroit has been shutting down the running back position as of late, so... I don't think a lot of people are on that as much as we have talked about it. I think it's just a pretty big red flag going into next week. But Knight could be flexible, and I think Carter is a must bench until we see it go back his way a little bit more. Yeah, I I wouldn't drop Carter just yet, though. Uh, I think his pass-catching role is interesting. Got six targets in this one, and if he... You know, holds on to this third down roll and plays in a, a better game script than this, you know, sloppy game in Buffalo. I think you could see seven or eight targets and you could see an interesting, you know, an interesting option. His next couple matchups, like you said, Detroit, that could be a high scoring game. Jacksonville at home, their offense has looked a lot better recently. And then at Seattle in week 17. So all those games profile is, you know, potentially a lot of points and defenses that don't really scare you from the running back position. Uh, other than Detroit, but not so much to the pass-catching guys, uh, more so for the uh, the rushing downs guys there with Detroit. Uh, and then on Buffalo, I don't really have a ton to add for fantasy. It was a tough day for everyone not named Josh Allen and Dawson Knox. Uh, I don't really have any tangible uh, you know, fantasy advice here other than I think pretty much everybody other than Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs is a matchup-dependent play at this point. I don't think you can trust any of them as weekly locks, that being Gabe Davis, Devin Singletary, James Cook. Any one of those auxiliary options is just uh, going to be matchup-dependent right now. This uh, Bills offense just has not looked incredible the past few weeks, and uh, their defense is a lot better now. So those two, two factors have limited the upside of those other guys. Yep, I, I agree with most of what you just said there. Um, so one guy I just want to highlight real quick, Gabe Davis. Um, he is starting to get, you know, we do call him boom bust, and I get that. But um, since their bye week, he has been under 10 half PPR points in six out of seven games. So Oof. he has just simply not been getting it done. Um, the thing is, I, I want to say that, you you know, you don't really want to trust him, but next week he's playing Miami in Buffalo, so you have to check on the weather a little bit because uh, if it's another weather game like this, I think you can sit Gabe Davis. And then two weeks at Chicago, again, a really good defense to throw on. Just want to double-check the weather. I think if either of these games have bad weather forecasts, Gabe Davis may be a guy I look to bench. 
Um, and then I just really the question with the running backs, I mean, would you rather have Singletary or Cook? And do you trust either of these guys next week if you had to throw them into your fantasy lineup? I don't see how you could trust them. Um, I, I don't know if I have a strong preference between them. I think uh, I would be leaning yeah, right there with you. Leaning Singletary if you need a floor and then Cook if you need upside. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's tough right now with both of them. It just seems like they're splitting carries. And again, this Bill's offense will just sometimes go away from the run completely. Uh, but again, I, I don't want to take too much from this game. They, they really couldn't get much going at all, whether it be pass or run. Right. So I think in a game they have a little more success on the offensive side. These guys could be better, but it's you know anyone's guess as to who it's going to be. Cleveland sure. at Cincinnati, our next game, another divisional bout here. Cincinnati takes it 23-10, to cashing my under ticket rather easily here. Uh, the stat of the game, Jamar Chase had a 40% target per route run rate in this game. That's really good. That's his highest of his career, and it had a lot to do with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins leaving early. I think that, you know, that stat is probably just uh, something to keep in mind moving forward. Jamar Chase might win you a fantasy championship if uh, one or two of those guys is missing moving yep. forward. Uh, let's start with the Cleveland side here. Deshaun Watson, he looked much better, I think, uh, in this, you know, this outing. Only 10 points, so that kind of says it all for how bad he looked in his first game, but I think this is, uh, you know, probably positive things moving forward for him uh, from a football perspective, but looked a lot better in this one. I'll give him some credit. And it was good to see him get uh, David Njoku involved. Uh, do you have any reservations about Njoku, or would you lock him in as a low-end tight end starter or maybe even, you know, mid-tier tight end starter moving forward? Yep, he is right there, low to mid-tier starter. Um, if, especially if you held him through the weeks of injuries, I think that he is someone that you can go ahead and lock right back into your lineup. Um, I don't have Cincinnati's schedule in front of me, so doing this a little bit blind, but would you rather play Njoku or Mark Andrews if the uh, the rookie from Oregon is playing is starting for Baltimore next week? Oh, man. Uh, I'd probably – give me Njoku. Uh, yeah, we'll get to Mark Andrews later. Yeah. But... I can't. I can't trust anybody on Baltimore with Anthony Brown as the the quarterback, other than J.K. Dobbins. But again, we'll uh, we'll further analyze the game when we actually get to it. Uh, but yeah, I think he's a solid option. Probably the, you know that tight end six or seven area uh, For moving sure. forward at the very least. Tough game with good upside. Yeah, absolutely. With he has really good upside at the tight end position. Yeah, nine targets. That was For really sure. good to see for him. Uh, Amari Cooper. And DPJ, uh, Amari Cooper had a tough game in this one. Got seven looks, only two catches for 42 yards. He uh, played through a hip injury. You kind of saw him re-aggravate it really early on. It was one of the first couple plays the Browns had on offense. You saw him limp off, came back, but uh, it was clearly bothering him, and it may have limited his production in this one. Donovan Beals-Jones kind of took advantage. He had 12 targets in this one, eight catches for 114 yards. Been pretty impressed from what I've seen from him just as a player. Might actually be you know, a legitimate starter, uh, at least on the NFL level moving forward, not somebody that they're going to have to replace via free agency or the draft. Uh, Browns found themselves a nice little player there in Donald Peoples-Jones. Uh, do you have any tangible, you know, movability here between these two, or are you just going right back to Cooper as the number one? Um, I think it depends on what his injury designations are throughout the week. Um, two weeks with Deshaun Watson, two weeks finishing at wide receiver 50 or worse. So if he's going into next week with a questionable tag later in the week, I may be looking to move off Amari if I have a uh, must-win situation. Now, pivoting from Amari to Donovan Peoples-Jones would be tough to do because you'd imagine if Amari is good to go, he'd be the number one there. But I think it's... Um, 
again, we'll, we'll see where we're at when we're recording Thursday night, Friday, you know, afternoon, seeing where Amari is health-wise. But if you were relying on Amari and there's a good option out on the waivers, not saying to drop Amari, but I'd be looking to add a backup piece if you are uh, not sure who your backup would be right now. Yeah, the Browns play the Ravens actually on Saturday, so one less day for Amari to recover than usual. And uh, that game currently has a 37.5 over-under, so may not be quite as many points to go around as most games uh, for yes. that Browns offense in that one. Similar to the Ravens-Steelers game. Exactly. The exact same yeah. number. Nice. <laughs> yeah, and that one went I do pretty, also, pretty easily, too. Yeah, with Cleveland, uh, Deshaun Watson had a better day for fantasy than most probably expected. Uh, and a six-point passing, I think he finished right around 20 points, so not bad. But rest of season, he has Ravens, Saints, and Commanders. The Saints matchup isn't as scary as it was at the beginning of the year, but Ravens and Commanders are tough. Um, if you had the hopes of Deshaun Watson coming in and being your uh, locked-in starter to finish your you know playoff run, I think you gotta got probably gotta pivot off of him. I, I maybe even in, I'm willing to drop him and let someone else pick him up and maybe play him against me because those matchups are not very enticing in my opinion. No, not at all. I think that's the key there. I think if Deshaun had come out and you know let the world on fire, then you you know you can feel better about throwing him in there. But the fact that he's looked just okay at the very you know that's probably putting it nicely. Uh, these three tough matchups sure. scare me off of them in one quarterback leagues. As uh, as my guy, you definitely need a backup option there. Uh, Joe Burrow on the other side, uh, he continues to you know struggle against this Browns defense for whatever reason. Uh, no matter you know if they're an elite unit uh, across the the rest of the league or not, seems like they have just always kind of limited him. He ended up with an okay game in this one, and he did have two of his guys go out pretty early. So you got to cut him some slack with that. Uh, but 239 and two through the air and an interception. So not, not a typical Joe Burrow game, but didn't kill you. 10 yards on the ground as well. Uh, Jamar Chase, though, was the benefit of those two uh, Boyd and Higgins going down early. Got 15 targets in this one out of 33 total throws from Burrow. So he was pretty locked in on Chase in this one. 10 for 119 and a score. Looks like he's healthy and he might just win you a championship if you uh, were able to make the playoffs and hold on to him on your bench especially if one of those two guys is out. Um, Joe Mixon, I guess, is the only other guy to talk about here. Looked like he came back, was the lead guy. Uh, seeded a little bit more as way, on the way of snaps to Samaj P. Ryan that we've seen before, but again, this is his first game back. I expect him to be the lead guy in Cincinnati moving forward. Samaj not even really on the radar. Uh, do you disagree with that? I don't disagree with that, but I do want to give you a shout out about Samaj P. Ryan because on our preview you did say that he was a you know a decent flex option with Mixon you know being in his first week back. Uh, P. Ryan outscored the guy, uh, guys like Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, and DeAndre Swift this week. Not saying you would have ever have started P. Ryan over those guys, but you just never know who might get you points at the running back position. So uh, if you ended up flexing P. Ryan on Nick's advice, just Congrats, he ended up as a top 24 running back this week. So got to be pretty happy with that. Yeah, I got pretty lucky on that one, honestly. He ended up running it in on the two-minute drill. Uh, So if you saw that P. Ryan had a rushing (laughs) touchdown and you were wondering why Mixon didn't get it, it was because it was in a passing situation, and that's why he was in the game. So nothing to worry about from the uh, Mixon standpoint. Just kind of right place, right time for P. Ryan there for the touchdown. Uh, Jacksonville at Tennessee is our next game. This one, uh, a little bit more of a fantasy, you know, winner for us here. Jacksonville wins this one 36-22, cashing Cody's over ticket by 10 minutes left in the third quarter. Super easily, uh, easily crushed that one. Stat of the game, 
Evan Ingram, this is probably my favorite set of the game that we have so far. Evan Ingram entered the game as the 15th tight end in full PPR scoring. He is now fourth in full PPR scoring at the tight end position. That just kind of goes to show you the state of the tight end position. Uh, that one huge game like this, although it was a huge game, uh, can catapult you all the way from 15th to 4th. Uh, the landscape is not great. But that being said, Trevor Lawrence... He had another extremely good game. Uh, he is really starting to look the part of that number one overall pick, uh, you know, generational prospect that he was supposed to be. Four touchdowns in total, 368 uh, through the air, seven yards on the ground, and then, uh, you know, had three of, his, three of his scores through the air, one on the ground. He looks really good, and uh, the only problem is, is that he has a really tough playoff schedule. First Dallas next week, they uh, just kind of got exposed by Houston, but you'd imagine they're playing with a chip on their shoulder, then at the Jets, and then at Houston, uh, which you know doesn't sound scary, but they have been actually really good against uh, opposing fantasy quarterbacks. So uh, would you be comfortable with Trevor as your playoff quarterback, or are you looking elsewhere because of the schedule? Yeah, I got to say no because of the schedule. Um, I mean, this week against Dallas, Dallas almost losing to Houston, I felt like they were kind of – Maybe sleepwalking through that game a little bit. You got to imagine if that team's for real, they're not going to be uh, sleepwalking and back to back. I expect that defense to be uh, pretty good against Jacksonville next week. I'm actually kind of concerned for EZN, Christian Kirk, really just about everybody. But like you said, Trevor Lawrence may be turning a corner in his career. He may, you know, just be one of those t top guys, and you know, the defensive matchup may not affect him as much as I'm thinking it will. But Personally, I would not be trusting Trevor Lawrence if I'm in a 1QB situation. I think I like guys a lot more. Um, this week's matchup's tough, but you know Jared Goff for the final two weeks have, has decent matchups. I like him a lot. Um, I did not look at Kirk Cousins' schedule, but if he has a soft matchup, I'd rather play him. So Trevor Lawrence still a little bit concerning in a tough matchup for me. I had kind of an interesting debate that I listened to on one of my my podcasts I listened to earlier today, and I really couldn't decide which side of it I came out on, so I'm going to throw it to you. Would you rather have Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields in a dynasty league, uh, you know, obviously moving forward? Um, I mean, I, this is completely, honestly, just Trevor Lawrence bias because I'm a, I just became, became a Trevor Lawrence fan since everyone just acts like acted like he wasn't going to be that good this year, so... Um, I would probably go Trevor Lawrence just because I really like him personally. Or not personally, but I like I like who he is as a player. Justin Fields, I feel like maybe has a you know Lamar Jackson-esque upside, but at the same time, you know, we've we've kind of seen Lamar Jackson when he struggles in the passing game when he needs it, he can kind of dodge you in fantasy. Um where I mean Trevor Lawrence can too, but that's more of a gut call. I'm just going to go Trevor Lawrence. I'm rambling, trying to think of other things to say. So yeah, I Trevor Lawrence locked and loaded. Most of the guys <laughs> that I listened to agreed with you. Just safer floor with Lawrence. Obviously higher upside with Fields. Yeah. But at the end of the day, in a dynasty situation, sure. and more confidence, Lawrence is going to be a decent option for you know the next eight to ten years. Evan Ingram. Also like Doug Peterson being in his coach in a yeah. dynasty situation. He is he is really his uh like two point and around the goal line plays, some of the ones he's come up with this year have been like really, really good. And I know people don't watch Jaguars games, so they don't get to see it, but uh there's been a couple that have been like, Wow, that's really good play call play designing. Yeah, I, I appreciate coaches getting creative around the goal line. That's just one of those things that kind of separates the elite offensive guys from the uh you know, the middle tier guys. Evan Ingram, yeah. uh, I 
I don't really know what to say about this one, to be honest. 11 for 15, 162 and 2. Just an absolutely incredible performance from him. Uh, is this tangibly changing your opinion on Evan Ingram, or are you just going to put him right back where he was at tight end, you know, 10 or 11 next week? Um, I think you have to be a little bit concerned with Evan Ingram. Um, I mean, I don't think I'm dropping him necessarily, but may want to take a look and see how how Dallas has performed against tight ends. I don't have those numbers directly in front of me, but I do think that, I mean, we, we said we want the pass catchers as long as Trevor Lawrence is playing. This Tennessee matchup was just made for people that want to throw the football. So um, I, I think that that may play into it a little bit. Um, it'll be a full landscape, no bye weeks next week. I, I think he's probably still a streaming option for me um, and, and going to be matchup dependent. So maybe see what those Cowboys versus tight end numbers are. And, and if they're good against tight ends, I'm probably looking another another way. And then uh, Zay Jones and Christian Kirk picks, picked up the rest of the slack. Zay Jones, uh, those two kind of been – they've been trading off having good games and the other one having bad games uh, for the past couple weeks now. Uh, Jones had 12 targets in this one, 8 for 77 and a score. Christian Kirk only 5 for 45. Pretty disappointing considering uh, Lawrence's line, but – I'm not sure I'm really, again, not really changing my opinion here. I think I would slightly prefer Kirk, uh, but they're both kind of wide receiver three types. Kirk more of a high-end wide receiver three. Zay Jones more of a mid-tier wide receiver three, especially with those tough matchups coming up. Yeah, absolutely. With the tough matchups, Zay Jones, I mean, he's been a spot start. I would be very careful playing him next week against the Cowboys. He has a knack of uh, not having good back-to-back weeks, and uh, that Cowboys defense just just screams, you know, a bad Zay Jones game. So I would be very hesitant to play him. Christian Kirk, I think, is a little bit safer in a sense, but not too much. I would say going into next week, out of these guys, really Christian Kirk and Travis Etienne are my only lineup locks from this team. And if you're in a shallow league, you might be able to do better than Christian Kirk. Um, but, again, just matchup dependent, I still th- I think, for these guys a little bit. Trevor Lawrence has shown a lot, but – I'm just not ready to put them up there with, you know, those elite guys where you don't really care too much about what defense they're playing. And Travis Etienne, a complete dud game from him. Uh, They just refuse to throw him the ball. It is just uh, one of the biggest curiosities of this NFL season, honestly, to get uh, one of these guys that profiles as uh, a pass-catching type and then turn him into a between-the-tackles grinder. But that's basically what the Jags have done here. 17 for 32 on the ground. Uh, you know, I might have expected a little more efficiency, but we knew it was going to be tough sledding. We were just hoping that ETN could get a few targets uh, and expose uh, the Titans where they're vulnerable through the air. But he got zero in this game. Uh, so just pretty tough for ETN. Uh, luckily for him, he has kind of the easier side of this slate. Uh, the Jets the Jets matchup is really tough. Dallas has been kind of up and down against running backs, and then Houston is a great matchup in Week 17. So ETN's uh, slate is not quite as tough as the pass-catching side of Jacksonville, but still just really tough to see. ETN's been pretty, pretty down the past few weeks. Hopefully he can regain his form in the playoffs. Absolutely. So um, and this is a guy we'll get into here in just a minute. But next week, are you going – and this is a situation I actually have. Would you go Travis Etienne or J.K. Dobbins? Oh, man. Uh, right now, before we know any more information about injuries and such. Uh, man, that is really tough. Uh, I think I'm going to stick yep. with Etienne just because I've seen this Dobbins thing play out before where, you know, if, if his knee swells up, 
Uh, they might not let us know that they're not going to. You know, I could just see him getting eight to ten carries next week, and Gus being the guy because his knee was a little sore from last week getting all the work. I, I just I, I don't know exactly what to expect from Gus or excuse me from J.K. I know Travis Etienne is going to get fifteen to twenty carries, and you know whether he's good or not, I'm not sure, but he has a safer floor to me. So in the playoffs, I'd probably just go Etienne. It's very close, right, though. The enough. fact that I it's like even that close is, yep. is not great. That sucks, exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, if you threw the ball to Travis Etienne uh, instead of freaking Jermichael no Hasty, yeah. like, come on, man. Why are you throwing it to Jermichael Hasty for? But it is what it is this year with uh, Travis Etienne. You just got to hope he gets in the end zone and uh, just ups that efficiency next week against what should be at least a little bit of an easier matchup. I feel like Tennessee – might be one of the best run defenses in the NFL. Yeah, definitely top five. The, the Tennessee and San Francisco are neck and neck for the best run defense in the league for sure. Um, so hopefully Etienne picks it up in the playoffs. But on the Tennessee side, um, you know, pretty solid go- game for the offense overall. Honestly, uh, turnovers really bit him. Henry fumbled twice in this one. He was on his way to an absolutely huge game, uh, had 100 yards basically by the end of the first quarter and a score, but ended up with only 121 in a score, uh, three for five through the air as well for another 34 yards, and then lost those two fumbles, like I said. So had a chance to you know, really have one of those classic Derrick Henry boom games, but still ended up you know, pretty good for you at the end of the day. Can't really complain about uh, 150 total yards and a touchdown. Uh, but the rest of this offense, uh, Tannehill played an okay game through a pick, but he was fine. I really think it just came down to, again, this Tennessee offense not having those playmakers on the outside, especially missing Traylon Burks. Chico Conquo, he kind of came through for us. We talked about him uh, a little bit on the preview episode, told you to go pick him up if you're in a deeper league. And he came through 6 for 45 and a score, also caught a two-pointer. Uh, I'm not sure I'm ready to trust him and redraft if Burks comes back. If he doesn't, I'm a little bit more interested. Uh, how do you feel about Okonkwo right now, I guess, moving forward rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, next week I would play Evan Ingram over him probably still. I, I think yeah. that if you're in a deep league with, like, extra bench spot, he's someone you could just throw in there and maybe, like like Nick said, he's just an extreme athlete that just didn't really develop well as a tight end in college. So now he's just a raw athlete that's kind of coming into the position. So he may just be, I mean, like a David Njoku type where he just can have ex- extreme boom games. Your issue is this offense wants to run the football. Um, Really, Derrick Henry's only issue, the only thing that took away from him having the chance of just an insane game is they got behind, and once they get behind, he's out of the game script. So, I mean, if they are in situations where they're going to be losing, I think Okonkwo can be streamed. And then basically the the wide receiver room is just Traylon Burks if he plays, and then the rest of the options aren't worth the risk on any given weeks if if Burks is not playing. But... If Burks plays, he's the only one that I would probably flex in this uh, Tennessee offense. And then Okonkwo is just the tight end position, so so up and down. I mean, he was the tight end three before Monday Night Football this week, so that just shows you how low the uh, the totem pole is for tight ends. Yeah, interesting stash, especially for keeper and dynasty, but otherwise I think if Burks makes his way back, we're not trusting him in redraft, especially in your playoffs. Uh, Baltimore yeah, too risky. at Pittsburgh is our next game. Uh, Baltimore takes this one 16-14. Some very classic Ravens-Steelers football in this one. My stat of the game, 
Deontay Johnson, he has 113 targets right now uh, at this point in the NFL season. That would be the NFL record for most targets in a single season without a touchdown. And if he fails to score the rest of the way, he's going to probably smash that record. The old one was 109, so we'll see if he holds on to it. Uh, by not securing a touchdown in the last couple weeks of the year here. Um, (laughs) J.K. Dobbins, he looked fantastic in his return like we talked about earlier, 15 for 120 and a score. Uh, He gets Cleveland and Atlanta the next two weeks as well, which is fantastic. Uh, I I think you got to pump the brakes a little bit here with the Dobbins love just because we don't know how that knee is going to react to this uh, this workload coming right off of that injury, but hopefully they waited the, you know, appropriate amount of time and he is just good to go uh how do you value Dobbins rest of the season um I would say I mean he's a probably more like a boom bust flex option for me going into next week like well let's see what happens like you said with the way his knee kind of flared up last time let's see if he can get that you know same workload again if he could do it back to back and in the following week has no injury designations I mean probably an RB2 level for me at that point so just these ne- the next week's going to be very important. Um, I would say if you are in a must-win game next week, Dobbins would be a boom-bust flex-level player for you. Um, and then, like I said, maybe the following week we feel a little bit safer with him. But for right now, just he has a lot of risk because last time we kind of saw this, and then the following game he he wasn't able to follow it up. So we we will have to wait and see. But I would say again, just at that boom-bust level. Yeah, definitely encouraging if you're a Dobbins owner potentially a useful asset here moving into the playoffs but again i think practice reports will tell us a lot about how his knee reacted to that game mark andrews is the other fantasy relevant asset we have to talk about unfortunately two for six 17 yards oof another complete dud from mark andrews in this one um i are if you were a mark andrews owner is there anything actionable here or do you just have to keep rolling him out there yeah, this is a good question here for you. So as I mentioned to you in one of my leagues, Darren Waller uh, is on the waiver wire. So let's say I pick up Darren Waller. He has a complete practice on Friday, and he's good to go. Would you play Darren Waller in his first week back or just stick it out with Mark Andrews? With uh, I, I, Is it Anthony? Anthony Brown, I believe, is there. Anthony Brown, the thank game. you, yes. For sure. Um, I think. Would you? I mean, if Anthony Brown's starting, would you play Mark Andrews or would you go Darren Waller? If Darren Sorry. Waller was in a dream matchup, I'd probably, you know, may, maybe make that pivot at home against the Patriots. I'm not sure that qualifies. Uh, I, I think they'd both kind of be in the same category as far as, you know, boom bust, lower starting tier tight ends. You could see Waller coming out and not having much of a role right off that hamstring, or you could see him. You know, playing a full lot in the staffs, getting seven or eight targets, and I could see the same thing for Andrews. I think he has a high floor, or excuse me, a high ceiling and a low floor. So I think I would just stick with Andrews in that case. But there is, there are scenarios in which, uh, you know, I'd be sitting Mark Andrews. Like if you picked up Doss or uh, Dalton Schultz at some point, while he, you know, his value David was down. David and Joku, I would probably play as well. Tough matchup against Baltimore, but still, gotcha. he's he's shown us. You know a decent ability there, so I think I would start him. Uh, I think Andrews fall is gonna you know gonna find his way to six or seven in the rankings, but still, I, it's it's a tough situation, especially with Anthony Brown at quarterback. Hopefully, he can get one of Huntley or, or Jackson back, and we can be a lot more confident in him moving forward. Uh, and then on the sure. on the Steelers side, it's really hard to give a ton of analysis, especially because Trubisky came in so early, and we don't know Pickett's status. Uh, Najee Harris is what he is at this point, three yards in a cloud of dust, and if he gets into the end zone, you're going to be happy with him. 
but if not, you're probably not going to be. He got in this week, and he ended up having an okay day. 33 yards on the ground in that score. Caught a couple passes for 17 yards. He kind of just is what he is at this point. Uh, not a very exciting asset to be uh, to be starting week to week. Uh, and then I guess from the wide receiver room, if it's Trubisky again, I prefer Deontay. Just seems like they've had the more of the connection than Trubisky and Pickens, but. He's a wide receiver three at best, uh, has not scored yet this year as I laid out earlier, and uh, I think his target volume is the only thing saving him in full PBR. Other than that, I'm just I'm not looking Deontay's way uh, in my fantasy playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I labeled Deontay Johnson as a PPR flex option if Trubisky is the starter next week, and I think that's it. Um, George Pickens had you know another solid game, but only had three catches, three for a little over 70 yards. So got you just over 10 in a full-point PPR league. He maintains the same guy. Big play guy just doesn't get the volume. Um, if we could see Pickens get Johnson's level of volume, then Pickens may be a really good fantasy option. But at this point, um, I mean, unless you're in some kind of you know dynasty or mini dynasty where you feel like Pickens may have value to your team, uh, I think he can be dropped if you need to pick up a, you know another startable player or a backup or something like that heading into the playoffs. Um, I guess this is another guy, Fryermuth or Mark Andrews next week. Which one would you prefer? Prefer there? Well, I think I'm going to go with Fryermuth. I think he is, uh, you know, just been consistently involved. Okay. Plays the Panthers next week. That doesn't scare you too much. I would sure. feel better if it's Pickett. It seems like he has hyper targeted Fryermuth a little more often, but. Uh, I think I would go with Fryermuth yeah. over Andrews if Andrews is playing with Anthony Brown. Uh, if it's Huntley or Jackson, I would go back to Andrews. But, yeah, Anthony Brown definitely scares yeah. me from an Andrews perspective. Let's go ahead and move on to the Dallas game here. Dallas ends up winning a nail-biter 27-23 over Houston at home. Kind of a classic trap game in this one. Huge favorites against a one-win Houston team. They gave them a great game, and Dallas needed a very long drive at the end of the game to get it done. But my stat of the game, Dak Prescott, he has the second-highest interception rate in the league this year at 3.6. That's almost double his career rate of 1.9. It's kind of flown under the radar a little bit because they've been you know, blowing teams out, playing really well as a team, but that has been an issue for Dak Prescott, and it was again in this one. He had two picks, one really, really bad one uh, you know, towards the end of the game that almost ended up sealing the win for the Texans, but his defense bailed him out. Uh, I, I don't really have too much fantasy analysis from this game, honestly. Uh, let's start with the Texans, though. Uh, do we have any interest in Chris Moore? 10 for 11 for 124. Looked pretty good in this one uh, with no Cooks or Collins. But let's say both of them miss again against Kansas City. Are you recommending him as a flex play, or is that just too risky? Uh, it's risky, but I don't I don't necessarily mind it. I think that um, against Kansas City, they're going to have to be throwing the ball probably quite a bit. Um, so... I mean, I'd imagine if both of them are out, someone's going to have to catch those passes, and he seemed to be the guy this week. So extremely risky business, but if you're in a full-point PPR league, you can't really turn your head to that kind of volume. So, um, again, I do agree it's risky, but I, I I could see him finding his way into one of my lineups this week in a, uh, in a situation where it's full-point PPR. Yeah, a little bit under the radar because he's a Texan, but I, I kind of I like him quite a bit next week against KC if both Cooks and Collins are out again. I think if one of those two plays, I would be scared off of Chris Moore, but if both of them miss, like you said, this Kansas City defense has been giving it up to the wide receiver position, and someone's going to have to catch the passes, so it looks like Chris Moore is going to be that guy if both of those top two guys miss. 
Uh, yeah, he's a zero dollar fab kind of guy. Exactly. He's a guy I'd like to just add in case you know something, an injury pops up or something like that. Not a guy I'm going to go all in on because I have to have him. So, just want to clarify that. Damian Pierce, his teammate, had a nice game before the injury. Got to have to keep an eye on the ankle. Uh, yep. Seventy eight and a score on the ground, so he came through for you in a tough matchup. On the Dallas side, as I said before, Dak Prescott did not play his best game, and that is being you know, very kind, honestly. He looked pretty bad in this one for large stretches. Uh, this, this Houston defense, whether it be through you know getting blown out and quarterbacks not having to throw on them or just playing the occasional team pretty tough, has been really good against fantasy quarterbacks. And I feel like at this point in the year, you kind of have to you know take the trend at its word. It just... It's too much of a sample size at this point to, to turn your back on. But Dak had a rough day, 284 and a score, two picks as well. Uh, did not come through for you if you ended up starting him, although we ended up with 39 passing attempts. So not necessarily the way we thought it would go, but he's still kind of dudded for fantasy. Uh, but I, I, nothing really changes in Dallas uh, other than that. CeeDee Lamb had a rough game. Dalton Schultz was solid. Both the running backs were good. Uh, not really sure I changed my opinion on anyone in Dallas moving forward. How about you? Uh, I think I'm a little bit lower on Michael Gallup. Um, if you had picked him up and you were needing to trust him in any kind of deep PPR league, uh, someone like a Chris Moore is someone I'd much rather trust next week if Cooks and Collins were to have, were to miss. So uh, just a little bit lower on him than I, I was going into last week. And then I want to say I think that quarterbacks aren't very good against Houston because Houston could not stop a nosebleed when it comes to the running game. I mean, they can they just get run all over up and down the field. Uh, they had a couple good stops against Dallas, but I mean, as someone who had Tony Pollard in the league where he had to get a win, um, I had a lot of enjoyment watching this game when it popped up on red zone because it always seemed like it was one of the running backs. So I think that may lead into why the quarterbacks seemed to not have the best fantasy days against them. And then uh, Schultz was pretty good. CD had a rough day, but you're not going to bench CD for anything. So he's locked and loaded for next week. Yeah, and then I, I forgot to include this in the news and notes section, but the Cowboys signed T.Y. Hilton over the weekend. Looks like they pivoted to him oh, once they I didn't uh, see that. once the Odell Beckham thing fell through. So be interested to see if he gets into any action here, but probably just more to drive home your point of Michael Gallup maybe being put on the back burner here. Uh, yeah, before uh, before we move on, are you picking up any Houston running back this week with the uh, news of Damian Pierce, you know, limping to the locker room? I think it would be Rex Burkhead, but I, I'm going to say no. I could easily see him and Agumba Wale splitting time there. So not going to try to guess who that's going to be in a game. They're probably not going to be able to run very much at all against Kansas City. Imagine they're going to be down by a lot pretty quickly. Good call. Yep. Minnesota at Detroit, our next game here. Uh, got a little bit lucky on this over, honestly, but it ended up clearing. Detroit wins it 34-23 to at home. My stat of the game, Justin Jefferson, is really good at football. No, that's not my stat of the game. Justin Jefferson set the Vikings record for receiving yards in a game. Hard to believe he didn't already have it, but he had 223 yards in this one, and that was his career high and the Vikings' single-game record. It's time to start respecting this Lions run, D. Cody. We've been talking about it for a couple weeks, especially hammered at home this past week. But Dalvin Cook, 15 for 23 on the ground, did get in the end zone uh, and then caught a pass for 13 yards, lost a fumble as well. So that touchdown sort of saves him from a fantasy perspective, but it was tough sledding all day for the Minnesota running game. One of the worst games of Dalvin Cook's career. It was his worst yards per carry in a game. He had at least 10 carries, so... 
been a long time since we've seen Dalvin Cook that bottled up, uh, and this Lions run D I think is just legit at this point. I don't know how you have to, how you can take it any other way. It's been a pretty decent sample size over the past six or seven weeks that they have looked really good. Uh, and then for all the passing options, they all came through. Kirk was good, 425 and two through the air. JJ, as I mentioned before, 223 yards. Hawkinson had 77 yards. Lost a fumble, unfortunately, on the you know end of game lateral fumble ruski type of play and that that kind of sucked for his fantasy owners but he was still good Thielen, he's matchup dependent flex play and he came through in this one seven for 65 and a score so anything to add on minnesota i think i'm you know pretty much set with how these guys are valued yeah i just really two things really quick one just want to say great call by the pod here kirk cousins was the qb5 before monday night football pretty sure he maintained that spot so um, obviously really easy to be high on Kirk, but I mean, I think we were recommending him over a lot of pretty good options last week. So I think that was a good shout out. And then, uh, just want to go ahead as we transition to Detroit, they play the Jets, Panthers and Bears, um, and then fantasy playoffs. If you have those running backs going into those matchups, um, maybe take a look and see if you can pick up a, uh, a, I don't know, maybe a wide receiver option for that week if you could flex him or something like that because I do not want any part of a running back playing this Detroit defense um, for my fantasy playoffs right now. Yeah, it's been pretty sl- tough sledding, especially on the ground for running backs lately against Detroit. I think the one saving grace running backs have is that there are usually quite a bit of points on the board, so touchdown opportunities are there, but uh, you know, big yardage totals are just really not at all. So I, I like that call, I think. Especially the Carolina guys, you'd probably want to pivot off of when normally you'd be smashing that matchup against Detroit at home. On the uh, Lions side of things, Jared Goff continues his hot streak, 330-3 and through the air. He looked great all day. Was kind of uh, spreading the ball around, too. Wasn't just Amon Ross St. Brown on this one. He ended up with an okay day, but DJ Chark was the lead guy. Six for 94 and a score through the air. Good day for him. How much interest do we have in Chark moving forward? Are we calling him, you know, a must-start, a flex play, uh, matchup dependent? Are you not buying it? Uh, where's your temperature on DJ Chark? Uh, let me pull up the Lions schedule real quick. We I have kind of the have him... Jets, Panthers, and Jets. Bears coming up. Jets, I would say I'm not dropping Chark because I like the final two matchups, but I don't think I'm playing him next week against the Jets. Uh, that's just a... A very, very tough matchup, and we saw them kind of shut down Gabe Davis this week, um, who I feel like Chark kind of resembles a little bit of Gabe Davis. Very matchup-dependent, boom-bust kind of guy. Very uh, very good deep threat. So uh, next week I'm a little hesitant on him, but um, I do think he's a guy you want to hold at Carolina and uh, at – or, I'm sorry, I think it's in Detroit against Carolina and then at Chicago. I'm, I'm happy with both those matchups for DJ Chark. Yeah, I think next week you want to avoid him as well. But that matchup in Week 17, if you if you have championship aspirations, I am trying to get as many Bears and or Lions players as possible. You have guaranteed good weather in a dome with two bad defenses and two good offenses. We saw what that game turned into in Chicago a couple weeks ago. I believe it ended up 31-30 in the favor of the Lions. So probably another very high-scoring yep. affair on uh, in store there. So get your, you know, Lions and Bears options lined up there for that playoff, uh, you know, that yep. that championship matchup potentially. Cody, I will go ahead and I had that. Go ahead, Cody. Oh. 
No, I was going to say I had it backward. They are at Carolina, and then they are home against the Bears. Right. So, yeah, that Week 17 matchup should be juicy smash, as can smash, be. Smash, smash, um, Before we head into the next one, I guess I just want to touch on these two guys. Jamal Williams kind of came right back into his lead role. Um, so, I guess I get, going into next week, I mean, I, it depends on if Swift is on the injury report, but – only got 36% of snaps. Uh, do you have any faith in DeAndre Swift, or do you think Jamal Williams is the only guy to start in that backfield? Yeah, bad miss by me. Definitely should have brought up Swift here. Uh, that was super disappointing to see his snap share come all the way back down. Uh, got up to about 50 or 60 last week, uh, but yeah, down to 38 this week, like you said. And I think it just comes. It's just going to depend on what the injury report says. If he's on the injury report going into the game like he was in this one, I just can't trust DeAndre Swift in my playoffs. Uh, if they they come out and take him off the injury report, it'll still be scary, but I'd be a little more comfortable playing him. The Jets defense kind of scares you to begin with, so I think I'd be sitting him against New York, hoping he gets healthy and you can play him in those last two weeks. But, yeah, very disappointing to see Swift's role come back to kind of where it was the past uh, – the, the, the few weeks before uh, that last week against uh, Jacksonville is when he had that big game. So it's tough to see for sure. Yeah. So, so with him playing to or playing at the New York Jets next week, I mean, besides Amon Ross, St. Brown, are any of these guys locked into your lineup, or are you kind of planning on pivoting off of you know Jared Goff, Jamal Williams, you know those options as well? I think uh, Jamal Williams can still be played for sure. You know, one game without a touchdown is not going to you know completely get me off of <laughs> Jamal fair, Williams. Yeah. He can't score every single week, but uh, so I think he would be in the back end RB two discussion. And same with Swift, depending on how, you know, the practice reports go. But, yeah, I think Amandra St. Brown's the only one you feel good about. And then the rest of them are just uh, streaming and, you know, Matt, you just kind of dependent on what else you have on your team. All right. Absolutely. We're on the same page there. Let's go ahead and transition over to Philadelphia at the New York Giants. Philadelphia really bow raced them on this one, 48 to 22. Uh, side of the game, 48 points is the most the Giants have ever given up to the Eagles at home. Um, and I was going to make a point here there when you were talking about the Cowboys. I know they played the Eagles in the regular season, but if they if they were to match up against them in the playoffs, you cannot be giving this Philadelphia offense extra possessions. They are extremely good, extremely efficient. I mean, probably the best offense in the NFL right now, just with how good they've all been. Um, on the Philadelphia side, really nothing changes from this week's performance. Hurts, Sanders, Brown, Devontae Smith, all were great. You were happy with every single one of them. Um, only concern is if Goddard were to come back, um, would you say all five are startable options? In my opinion, I think Devontae Smith has kind of broke out a little bit. I would, it would be hard for me to put Devontae Smith on my bench after the way he's played recently. Yeah, I don't know how you can bench Devontae Smith. It would be scary with Goddard coming back with, from what we've seen. But the matchups there against the Bears, I think, uh, yeah, I'd be starting all five of them. And, you know, there's, there's a pretty high over-under in that game. I think there's potential for all of them to do well for you, or at least four out of five. I think you got to stick with your Eagles for sure. For sure. And then on the Giants side, uh, Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins were really probably the only options you would have been happy with if any of them had gotten played. But highly doubt any of, either of those two guys touched your roster. Uh, Saquon Barkley had a bust game. Um, I would say most of it was probably due to just getting boat raced. But, um, you know, they couldn't run the ball too much because they got down, I believe, 21-0 pretty quick in this one. Uh, nothing really changes from you with Saquon. You're not going to bench him going into next week. 
Uh, but I do want to point out, I think Matt Breida is a must roster going into fantasy playoffs if he is somehow still out there anywhere. Um, Gary Brightwell did get some work in this game, but it was mostly when it did not matter. So I don't think Brightwell would uh, take too much. I think Breida would be the main guy if Saquon were to go down, and then uh, Brightwell would just be a a passing down option at best. So, And then lastly, Bellinger, was, you know, he's a low-end streaming option if you have the stones to play him, but I don't think he's going to be hitting too many fantasy rosters in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, he actually got banged up in this one, hurt his ribs, so he gets a slight pass for the down game, but this whole offense has, you know, really just got dominated by the Eagles pretty much from the start, and their production was largely, uh, a lot of it came in the, the fourth quarter and garbage time pretty much, so... Uh, yeah, this this offense yep. was not very encouraging, and I, I don't know how you even have a ton of confidence in any of them. Darius Slayton, I think I'd still be you know starting him out of the wide receiver core, but not very confidently. Yeah, as a guy who uh, has Saquon in a league, he really wants to win. I hope that uh, they get their their act together next week, and then when I'm off a of bye, Saquon can get back to his uh, normal dose of work. Because if he does not. Seems to be when he gets, you know, some of his work taken away, he just cannot wear down a defense like he can. And don't know if very many teams are wearing down that Philadelphia defense anyway. Right. But uh, let's go ahead and move on. Kansas City at Denver. Kansas City ended up taking this one 34-28, obviously smashing the over and Denver covering there. Uh, So both pretty good, uh, unless you were riding my bets this weekend. Kansas City, we'll start here. Uh, Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, Sorry, one sec. There we go. All right, Mahomes uh, had a solid week. Travis Kelsey just okay, but both are lineup blocks. No need to spend too much time on those guys. Um, let's go ahead and start with Jarek McKinnon. This is why we've been saying he can be flexed in you know half and full point PPR leagues. He was getting some decent uh, you know workload, getting some decent target share, and really made the most of his options this or his opportunities this week. Um, obviously had the one busted touchdown when Mahomes just kind of flicked it over to him, but had nine targets overall in this game. I think that he, him and Pacheco can both be uh, flexed. McKinnon specifically in half and full point PPR leagues, but um, you know, in a on a team where the run wide receiving options are really fantasy irrelevant, I think we have two solid running back options here. Um, how do you feel about Pacheco and McKinnon going into the playoffs? Yeah, I think that it's really just going to depend on the matchup that you have for these guys. Uh, it's tough, obviously, because game script does not always play out the way we expect. We would have thought this one, uh, the Chiefs would be up, and you know, Macheco would be getting most of the run, and Mahomes would not have to throw a ton, but Denver ended up showing some life on offense, and uh, Casey was forced to go back to the air, and McKinnon was the you know recipient of some of that uh, benefit there from the Chiefs' side, but... Uh, I think, yeah, I think these bullet guys are both flex-level plays. Next week, I'd probably lean towards Pacheco because you got Houston. And then the week after that, it's Seattle. I think you can start either one of them in that game, and then you get Denver again in Week 17. So I think uh, McKinnon's definitely a guy you need to go pick up if he's available or keep on your roster if you have him. And you can play him in the right matchup next week. I might try to avoid. But uh, moving forward, he's, uh, he's a pretty solid option in you know the backfield that uses him and Pacheco pretty much evenly. Yeah, absolutely. And then I just want to say, uh, as a podcast, I'd say we've been really low on the Chiefs wide receiver options. Um, you do want to take a look at you know Tony and McCole Hardman's injury updates and see if either of them are going to be touching the field. But 
I'd say with the with the team they're rolling out right now, Juju can definitely be uh, be a good option for you. I'd say he is you know boom bust similar to Gabe Davis, just because you never know quite where the target share will go. Um, but probably just slightly safer floor with Juju. So if you've been relying on him, I think it's a little bit of risky business. But you know if they're not getting if these receivers aren't getting healthy, I think he's a, he's a fine play for fantasy. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm keeping him in that wide receiver three territory. Uh, I I just again I don't have a ton of confidence that he'll come out and get you know more than five targets next week. I could see it easily going the way of MBS or Justin Watson or whoever else because this team just kind of likes to spread it around. But hard to hard to turn your back on eleven targets from Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I think we'll just kind of have to see where the options land next week with no teams on a bye, and we'll let you know how we feel about him. Yeah, absolutely. And then let's go ahead and go to the Denver side. We actually have something to talk about this week, some fantasy relevance Ooh. outside of the defense. So that's uh, that's cool. Hopefully you started some of these guys. Russell Wilson, probably not, but he was the QB3 before leaving the game with the concussion. Um, I do think Russell Wilson may be a little bit of a beneficiary of the new concussion protocol rules because the way that he uh, was walking around the sideline and trying to – he almost looked like he really wanted to get back out there, which I completely understand why. And maybe before the uh, protocols maybe got a little bit stricter, he may have found his way back out on the field. So um, maybe thankful that he was not able to get back out there. But based on how it looked when it happened, I think I'd expect Brett Rippon to start this week. But, of course, just got to keep an eye on it. Um, if, if we go from Russell Wilson to Brett Whip- Rippon, does it change much of your opinion on these fantasy options? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've got to be a little less confident in Judy and Dulcich. I guess Dulcich uh, would probably be the one that would level off a little more since he had nine targets in the one game Rippon started. Uh, but yeah, I, I think mm-hmm. Judy and Wilson showed a little connection uh, in this game, and as bad as Wilson has been, there's a reason that you know Brett Rippon has been a career backup. So I'd rather have him in the game for uh, Judy's sake. Of course. Uh, yeah. Again, it's not a huge downgrade to them because they're gonna still be peppered with targets most likely, but definitely rather see Wilson in there than uh, than Rippon. For sure. Um, and if anyone started Latavius Murray based on my recommendation, uh, I'm sorry about that. You obviously should have started Marlon Mack, but. Uh, you should have known that going into this game, obviously. <laughs> Duh, right. So, <laughs> obviously there. Um, but as Nick alluded to it, Jerry freaking Judy, man. Have yourself a game. Basically put uh, Justin and I's dynasty team on his back and uh, carried us to a win this week. So much appreciated there. Um, I, I think my only issue was we just need to see what happens with um, Corlin Sutton. If he's back, I'm a little bit more worried about Jerry Judy, regardless of who the starting quarterback is. But, I mean, if there's a situation where we get Russell Wilson and just Jerry Judy, whether that be next week or later on in the season, I think he's a must-start. Like you said, they did show a connection. And it was really, I mean, again, I will say the Chiefs defense has really resorted back to just being really bad uh, the past few weeks. So that's not good. But they this is the first time you're really seeing something out of that Denver offense that you can get excited about. So, if you have Jerry Judy, or if he somehow found his way out to waiver wires throughout the season and you picked him up, uh, may have a potential league winner depending on the way these injuries play out rest of the season. Yeah, with- and then Dulcich also, uh, sorry, Dulcich streamable, but it's just tight end. So, I mean, three for eight for 42 yards isn't extremely inspiring, but that's a solid tight end performance nowadays. So, he still remains streamable. 
Yeah, like you said, Judy, definitely uh, got to keep an eye on Cortland Sutton's involvement and uh, also Russell Wilson, whether he comes back or not. I think it could be a tough tough sledding for this Broncos offense as a whole the next couple weeks against Arizona in what you know, you're going to be facing Colt McCoy, so not a lot of points either way, you would imagine. And then uh, at the Rams after that. So, again, another game you probably expect a pretty low over-under. But if you can get yourself to Week 17 and you got Jerry Judy on your roster, he gets these Chiefs once again uh, in Week 17. So I'd be pretty excited to play him if you end up making it that far. Uh, Jerry Judy, hopefully, uh, if you have him on your roster in championship weekend, he could be a pretty solid option that week against the Chiefs defense again. Absolutely. Well, uh, again, we, we get them in just a few more weeks again, and that was actually a pretty good matchup. So hopefully Russell Wilson gets uh, gets you know oh gets past this concussion, and uh, you know hopefully we get another fun game in a couple weeks whenever we will be there live um, at Arrowhead. So pretty pretty exciting to see that the Chiefs defense is bad enough to be able to give it up to the Broncos and uh, give us some hope for a couple weeks from now. Yeah, those were the type of games uh, we were anticipating when we are coming into this year with this AFC West, uh, you know, as stacked as it was supposed to be. But not not so much. Uh, pretty few and far between for the Denver side. Hopefully they can, uh, yeah, like you said, give us another interesting game to watch uh, in a few weeks. Absolutely. All right, Tampa Bay at San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco absolutely boat race ten, or Tampa Bay 35-7. Um, do want to shout out Nick. He recommended a complete embargo on all Tampa Bay options, and I think anyone who played a Tampa Bay option probably had a better option on their bench this week. Um, I don't think a single one of them reached their score prediction besides Russell Gage because he had the only touchdown, and I'd imagine he was probably uh, projected less than six points. So, uh, shout out Russell Gage, the only producer for Tampa Bay. Uh, Bengals next week. I can't see how I'm very confident to play any of these guys right now. Uh, maybe some recency bias as they did just play the best defense, but their offense sucks. Um, one guy specifically I want to highlight. I know kind of the Fournette situation, his injury or injury situation probably defines that running back room and what you can expect. Um, but Mike Evans in particular has not had a single game over 10 points in half point PPR scoring since week eight. It'll be week 15 next week. Um, you know, if this was some random guy who had a good stretch to the season and was added, you, you know, we'd be recommending dropping him. but it's Mike Evans. So you can't drop him. but starting him is becoming risky business in my opinion. Um, again, just Tampa Bay offensive lines bad. They can't, they can't get anything developed downfield. I think Chris Godwin's the only guy I'm confident in. It's just because Brady has to get rid of the ball in about two seconds, and and Godwin seems to be the guy for that. Yeah, Mike Evans is the latest addition to the Gabe Davis club uh, as far as you know that archetype of player. Seems like you're going to need to hit the home run. I will say, at one point in Mike Evans' favors, he has just had yeah. almost touchdowns don't count in fantasy football or real football, but had a 70-yard touchdown called back in this one uh, on a holding penalty. Obviously had that almost 50-yard touchdown last week against the Saints, uh, but got interfered with, and then the ball was moved down to the two. So uh, he has gotten unlucky a few times uh, in the past couple weeks especially. So you, it's going to be tough to sit him and you know watch him end up cashing in one of those long touchdowns. But I think if you don't get one of those, you're going to be pretty upset with Mike Evans. So I don't blame you if you end up moving on to another option. He is very boom-bust at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I think in a full point PPR league, there's plenty of these, you know, guys that just get peppered with targets that you'd have to be a lot more confident in than uh, than Mike Evans. But 
um, yeah, again, kind of stuck, kind of sucks. He was probably, you know, early third round pick for you. So has not lived up to that draft price at all. Last point um, on Tampa Bay. So. Uh, are oh, we, have we fully moved on from, or do we think Rashad White is the guy now? Got 13 carries to Fournette's four. Fournette did end up with seven targets to Rashad White's five, but uh, do we think that was more because of Fournette's injury, or do we think that this team just wants Rashad White to kind of take over as the lead guy? Yeah, I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't want Rashad White to take over. I mean, Leonard Fournette really hasn't showed you a lot to be excited about as a team, especially one that, I mean, you you would think Tampa Bay is good to make the playoffs, but, I mean, they're getting it. They're basically cutting it close at this point with both the Falcons and the Panthers only being a game back in that division, as hard as that is to believe. So, um you know, I don't know. I think let's take let's wait and see what his injury status is later in the week, and maybe I'll make a call on what I think with the Tampa Bay options. But if Leonard Fournette and Rashad White are both healthy going into a game, I mean, I'd probably recommend not playing either because I don't know where it's going to go. I mean, if, if Leonard Fournette's injury for some reason were to take him out of a game, I think Rashad White would be a great start. But, I mean, if Rashad White got those six receptions this week, then I would be very happy with him. But... It seems like Leonard Fournette still has a specific role that Rashad White hasn't taken over. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. That was a nice long Rashad White Leonard Fournette there. All right. San Francisco side. Uh, Christian McCaffrey would be my one on one if we did a redraft for the playoffs. Uh, yep. If you have CMC, I mean, obviously no no injuries so far this year. Knock on wood, but. Uh, I do think that he has been really, really good. And with, with the way the San Francisco offense is going to have to play through the next few weeks, especially being uh, playoffs, I think that uh, you you got to be very happy with him. Debo got injured but doesn't seem to be too too severe. Something to keep an eye on. does seem like he'll at least miss this week um, and then maybe next week as well. So um, like Nick said, if you were in a league that does not have an IR and you need an extra roster spot, he may be someone that you got to be okay with dropping. Um, I think most leagues that, you know, have IR spots and stuff like that, you're just moving them there. But definitely something to keep an eye on. And, um, I mean, if you're one of the good teams and you see that Samuel gets dropped, I I wouldn't mind picking him up just to hold him from somebody else's roster. Just keep an eye out. Keep an eye out see what happens with him this week in your league. Um, Ayuk, you know, he just is fantasy relevant with limited targets just about every single week. I don't really want to rely on him with Brock Purdy at quarterback, but, I mean, he finds the end zone and becomes fantasy relevant pretty frequently at this point. Um, but I still think it's somewhat playing with fire. I think with Debo going down, Ayuk maybe gets a little bit of a safer floor. But if you had to play Brandon Ayuk or Mike Evans, lock him in your roster the rest of the season, uh, which one would you pick right now? This would have been a really, really tough call uh, without the Debo injury, but now that that is on the table, I think you have to go Ayuk. He's been performing a lot better uh, of recent, and you know now you figure he gets an uptick in targets as well. Uh, has a few uh, pretty easy matchups on the slate, too, at Seattle. That's actually a tough matchup for wide receivers, but should be a relatively high-scoring game. First, Washington is uh, pretty mid-pack, and then they get uh, Vegas in Week 17, which is a fantastic matchup. So I think I'd have to lean Ayuk there, uh, as crazy as that sounds. Yep, absolutely. Um, and then Kittle saw some early, early involvement, but the passing game wasn't really needed much for the second half. I won't hold this game against him, but my Brock Purdy, George Kittle concerns kind of remain a little bit. 
Um, probably still going to keep him at that same level, probably right right above Mark Andrews. Like I'm, I'd probably play George Kittle over Mark Andrews next week, depending on Mark Andrews' quarterback situation. Um, but you know, if you have a a Dallas Goddard out on your waiver wire somehow, or someone like that, I mean, I would definitely be putting a claim in for him because I don't think you know the world's falling for George Kittle, especially with this Debo injury. We'll have to see how things shake out next week, but. Maybe a uh, a scary guy to rely on come come you know your fantasy championship if you don't see him get it started with Brock Purdy. Yeah, I think if there was still Debo in the fold, I'd be you know really thinking long and hard about you know going to a streaming option over Kittle. It just has not been pretty uh, for a few weeks now, even before the Purdy uh, you know situation. But with Debo going down, you'd figure he gets a few more targets. I think you're going to have to start him the tight end position again, just so barren. But yeah, I think Darren Waller, Dallas Goddard, if one of those guys is on your wire and you can go use your waiver claim on them, I'd probably start both of them over Kittle, assuming that, you know, they're both healthy coming into this week. Yeah, absolutely. And then also shout out Brock Purdy. Uh, Mr. Irrelevant looked like a very serviceable quarterback in his first start. Luckily, you know, his team did get the blowout, but he is a part of that. So, I mean, outplayed. Really, like I said, I mean, my bet on Tampa Bay was I don't know if a rookie can come in and, you know, granted he does have probably the best defense in the NFL, amazing weapons all around him, but for him to be able to come out there and do that against what's supposed to be a tough Tampa Bay defense, uh, good for him and good for San Francisco. I mean, that last week people, you know, they were probably thinking their season was over. Now at least you got a little bit of hope uh, going into the playoffs and, Part of that does come from this game as well. Carolina beat Seattle 30-24. to uh, Nick, I'm glad you did not make this one one of your best bets. I know this was yeah. like number four for you. So thank goodness that one didn't sneak in. But let's start on the Carolina side. Uh, Foreman and Hubbard both end up with 74 yards. Um, Hubbard was way more efficient, but this is my warning now. I don't want to trust either of these options for your fantasy playoffs. Uh, this is the last easy week this offense will see for the rest of the year. Um, I don't think you can drop Foreman necessarily, but I just don't trust him rest of the season. Uh, do you have any uh, encouraging words for you know Foreman or Hubbard, Hubbard owners if they are uh, you know relying on these guys rest of the season? Maybe not Hubbard necessarily, but Foreman. Yeah, I think uh, you know in the right circumstance these guys would be fine plays, but unfortunately, uh, as you alluded to, their matchups moving forward are quite difficult. They play the Pittsburgh Steelers at home uh, next week. That matchup has begun has gotten a lot tougher since T.J. Watt has come back, and uh, then they play Detroit in Week 16. Again, we've already laid out how bad that one is for running backs, and then at Tampa Bay in Week 17, they just got gashed by Christian McCaffrey, but. Neither one of these guys is Christian McCaffrey. I would be pretty worried uh, starting either one of these guys in basically any round of my playoffs. All of those matchups are pretty scary. Absolutely. And then DJ Moore with a nice zero uh, in a week that I highly recommended him. So love that. Could have played Demir Bird from the Falcons and uh, got the same performance. So <laughs> I am back on my uh, Demir Bird kick I was going to say, but... I love the Demir Bird <laughs> Yeah, no, that, that stunk. I think, uh, as Nick alluded to it, obviously he did pick up the injury later in that game, and uh, I think probably in a redraft circumstance, you, you the likelihood of you trusting DJ Moore if you have a playoff-level roster is very low. So um, probably not finding waiver wires, but, I mean, if you're, if you're in the playoffs and you have DJ Moore, I mean, I'd drop him to go pick up a backup or something like that. I feel like 
with the injury and the O, you know, zero this week, I it's just gonna be really tough to trust him. Yeah, at, let, at all at, at this point. Let someone else in your league get fooled into his potential, and uh, you know, I would I would be very happy to be going against DJ Moore in my fantasy playoffs. For sure, awesome. The Seattle side here, um, this is kind of funny, but a report came out saying that Tony Jones would be Adam starting Schefter. running back before the game on Sunday from a good old Adam Schefter. Uh, that was not the case, but uh, did scare me off of playing Travis Homer in a game that meant a lot. So the reporter, or not the reporter, the Adam Schefter may have lied, but I do appreciate it because I started Mike Williams over Travis Homer and got my way into the playoffs by doing so. So kind of um, inadvertently really helped me out there because I was really struggling with that. But um, on the actual fantasy side of things, Gino at QB7 before Monday Night Football, pretty sure he's going to finish there. Seems about right. That is where he has been pretty much the entire season and really was having a rough day and two late touchdowns got him right back into uh, you know having a good fantasy day. So if you played Gino, you were happy with that. DK and Lockett both caught five balls, got in the end zone. Uh, so they managed through a game that was pretty rough for the offense. Um, the running back room, I'm not really going to discuss. I mean, if Kenneth Walker comes back, it's it's his room without a doubt. Um, but Noah Fant, hope you did not chase him. He had a nice uh, zero for you this week. So we were both very uh, anti-Noah Fant. I almost dropped a player on my mini dynasty roster just to pick up a tight end to play one this week. Luckily, I was getting blown out and did not pick up Noah Fant and drop a potential valuable player. So, hope you did not chase Noah Fant quite at all uh, after that Arizona game. But, Nick, I've been rambling about Seattle. Do you have anything else you'd like to input here about them? I don't think so. I think they're pretty straightforward at this point. It's a lot like the uh, you know the Eagles or the uh, the names blank. I'm blanking on the team that we talked about before, but their uh, their their options are pretty straightforward. Geno is a solid low end starter. DK and Lockett are both lineup locks at this point, and then Kenneth Walker is definitely in your lineup if uh, if he plays, and then Travis Homer is a flex option. If he doesn't, uh, I know Travis Homer did not come through for fantasy this week, but he did see 90% of the snaps in this one. So I think I'd actually be okay rolling him out there, even against a tough San Francisco defense. I feel like being on the field that much, he's just going to get more opportunity than he got in this one. Uh, still not an exciting start, though. So I think you're just hoping Walker is back for the Thursday night game. Seems like the uh, the Seahawks expect him to be. So I I am crossing my fingers and toes that <laughs> my boy Kenneth Walker can get out there. I really need him. Yep, absolutely. Um, and with that news, Travis Homer may get dropped again this week um, if, if the guy who picked him up was just a one-week one week rental kind of situation. So if you have Kenneth Walker and did not get Travis Homer, definitely make sure you uh, Probably keep worth your eye out for yep. that. That's obviously, yeah, just an easy swap, swap out if there was any uh, bad Kenneth Walker news. But let's go ahead and switch over here to Miami at the Los Angeles Chargers. Another great call for Nick with the Chargers plus three and a half. Um, actually saw a ticket, I believe it was for uh, $5 to correctly guess the score, 23-17. Ended up winning the guy 1000 bucks. so that is Very a nice, nice. Uh, nice profitable way to spend your Sunday night football. Absolutely. Um, on the Miami side here, this one probably take a little bit of time. Tua Tungvaiola just, in my opinion, looks a little bit lost. Uh, last week against the 49ers defense, you know, everyone's just like they're the best defense in the NFL. It is what it is. But the Chargers, you know, is supposed to be a smash star for quarterbacks. Tua went 10 for 28, 36% completion percentage, only 145 yards and a touchdown. 
Um, I guess, are you concerned at all about playing him the next three weeks? Let's take a look at their schedule for the playoffs. But They play I mean, at Buffalo the that, next week. That yep. game I am certainly concerned about playing him, especially if there's weather. I think there, there should be. The last report was that it was supposed to be uh, some snow uh, in the area that week or this weekend in Buffalo. So that would be a scary one. Uh, I would not want to play him in that Buffalo game. Hopefully you have another option. Uh, most likely you do because Tua was picked up during the year by a lot of teams. So uh, For sure. hopefully you have a better option than Tua next week. Uh, but I think I'd be okay going back to him against uh, Green Bay in Week 16. Then at New England in Week 17, another tough matchup. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't love Tua during the playoffs. I think you definitely want to make sure you have uh, another guy to, to pair him with. But you know, week 16 looks okay. Next week I'd be avoiding him. And then unless he shows out in week 15 and 16, I'd probably be looking to avoid him in week 17 as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do. I agree with you there. I mean, he's been a lineup lock for basically all of the middle part of the season, but kind of looks like it has come back to earth for that Miami offense. Uh, but Tyreek Hill will not let even Tua having a bad day stop him from being great for fantasy. Uh, he caught a long touchdown and had a fumble recovery for a touchdown as well. So, uh, like I said, just finding ways to make himself valuable for fantasy, even when his quarterback is having a terrible day. So Tyreek Hill, lineup lock, no question about it. Jalen Waddle, maybe someone to have a little bit of a discussion about. Two for four for 31 yards. Again, just with Tua's kind of dream season coming to an end. Do we still consider Jalen Waddle a lineup lock? Uh, again, at Buffalo, Green Bay, in Miami, and then at New England for the playoffs. I don't see how you could take him out. His high, his upside is just too high. Uh, I think I got to give a ton of credit to Brandon Staley here. Honestly, he just came up with a fantastic game plan in this one. I I don't even really you know Tua missed some throws for sure, uh, but I think you know the, a lot of the time he was just throwing into tight coverage. Uh, they just schemed uh, schemed against what Miami wanted to do really well. They took away their their deep in breaking routes. That's kind of where they've been making their money uh, this season. Yep. And uh, you know they got pressure with only four or five guys. So you just got to give Brandon Staley some credit. This one, I think we kind of overlook the game plan side of things sometimes in fantasy. We just see, oh, you know this quarterback has a good matchup this week. He should be great, but. You kind of have to remember that these are human beings at the end of the day, and they're on the field. Uh, you know, it's not going to be just a, as easy as, oh, this is the 25th best defense against quarterbacks. Sometimes teams make adjustments, and sometimes teams just, you know, come up with a good game plan that uh, clearly the, the Chargers had in this one. So I don't know how much I blame the individual players here for uh, what the coach did here. I think it just kind of ended up, you know, being that Jalen Waddle took a backseat to Tyree Kill. I think I'd be fine rolling him out there, even in a tough matchup against Buffalo. He could just take one for 70 yards, and I, I can't t- I can't turn my back on his upside. It's too great. Yeah, I, I agree with you there on Jalen Waddle, but do you have concern with you know the Bills and the Patriots both being pretty decent defenses, kind of mimicking what the Chargers did this week and shutting down this offense again? Or, again, do we just kind of trust the pop process with these top-tier players and, and, like you said, just kind of ride them out and trust that their upside just kind of shows through even the, even the tougher matchups? Yeah, I mean, that's certainly a concern, but you know, Mike McDaniel is a smart coach too. He'll make adjustments uh, you know, to the adjustments that are being made against him and – you hope that that will just lead to you know the some things being opened up. You can't just do the same thing every week, whether it's on offense or defense. And I think uh, you know he's a smart coach. He'll figure out how to get the the ball in 
hands of his playmakers. Jalen Waddell, still number uh, the number 11 wide receiver on the year in half PBR. So I, I couldn't imagine sitting him <laughs> coming into the playoffs. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel you there. Let's take a second on this running back room as well. Yeah. Um, you know, with the passing, you know, passing game being bad, the running backs aren't really getting the work necessary. They're kind of falling behind in some of these games and kind of having to pass a lot, uh, probably a little bit more than they would prefer to. Um, Jeff Wilson goes down, so, I mean, Moser would be the guy if Wilson misses. If both play next week at Buffalo, you may need to just plan on benching both these guys and just seeing how this plays out and, and if Jeff Wilson is going to be able to um, – I haven't seen any news on him today, I guess, but if he's going to be able to play and what his involvement looks like if he is if he is out there. Yeah, if it's both of them, I think I would agree with you. I'm avoiding uh, this situation completely. Don't really know how it's going to turn out as far as uh, you know the split goes. But if it's just Mostert, I think I would be okay playing him because you'd assume that he's going to end up with 15 to 20 touches in, you know, uh, again what could be a low-scoring game. But that's just too much work and a good offense to pass up on. So if it's one of the two, obviously that would be Mostert. Uh, I'm playing him. But if it's both of them, I would agree. I, I'm really trying to find other options. Just I just don't really. I don't have a good gauge on how this split is going to go uh, if both guys are healthy. Absolutely. All right, the Chargers, I think that uh, this is going to be pretty easy for them. Herbert is pretty much a lineup lock unless you have another top-tier guy on your team as well. Um, I'd say he had a disappointing game considering he threw for 367 yards, only ended up with one passing touchdown, but... uh, Good to see him look extremely good with all of his options out there. Um, Like we... I kind of highlighted last week when we kind of broke down week 13 is Herbert just really has not looked his like himself. And uh, I'd say he kind of looked like himself on Sunday Night Football. He looked really good. And with that, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen are all lineup locks for me. As long as neither of them, none of them pick up an injury designation or anything like that throughout the week. Uh, With that being said, I think Joshua Palmer has kind of carved a role in this offense, but I could see him getting more phased out as these other guys get healthier and get more um, just involved within the offense. So I would say he's a very low-end flex option in full PPR leagues if uh, you are desperate for next week, but not someone I want to rely on. And then last but not least, just want to mention Gerald Everett. Five catches for 28 yards. You know, has him at the tight end 12 before Monday Night Football. Uh, Hunter Henry probably passed him up, so he probably got bumped down a little bit. But, I mean... You know, he, he's, he didn't kill you this week at tight end if you ended up starting Gerald Everett, but you're not going to be very happy with that performance. Just kind of is what he is in this offense. Kind of with everyone back, move, moves in, moves down to the good old tight end or bust uh, tier for me. <laughs> yes, I love to see you leaning into that, Coates, but... Uh, yeah, I think I would. <laughs> I think I would agree. Obviously, on the top three: Eckler, Williams, Allen. Uh, all those guys are lineup locks moving forward, unless, again, like you said, they end up with an injury designation. Same with Justin Herbert. He looked great. Uh, really passed the eye test. Only ended up with one touchdown. They really have struggled in the red zone this year. It's been uh, slightly concerning from a long-term standpoint, but. Uh, I think those type of things have a way of uh, correcting, you know, coming back to the mean there. So uh, Herbert just looked really good in a general sense. I think that's the more important thing. And then Palmer, 
I would agree. Uh, probably more of a, a flex, maybe even a low-level flex. But next week against Tennessee, you've got the pass funnel offense there, and uh, the Chargers already love to, to give up the run and just throw the ball all over the yard anyway. So I think Palmer could actually be a decent option in that game, assuming uh, a few more passing attempts and a, a weak secondary against Tennessee there. And that will be in the, the climate-controlled SoFi Stadium as well. So uh, I think uh, moving forward, I agree with Palmer, but just next week in particular, I think he's actually a decent option. Yeah, absolutely. And he's someone who may end up getting dropped this week just based on all of those other options being back for yeah, the Chargers, especially if you're in a more shallow league. So if you're someone who has a questionable flex going into next week, maybe a guy that uh, provides you with a little bit more of an upside, um, with, again, against Tennessee where – we just saw what you know that Jacksonville offense was able to do against them, and I know you've been a Gerald Everett supporter. Did, did this game kind of scare you off of them at all, or are you still pretty happy to go to roll with them for the playoffs? No, nah, still eight targets. Like you said, still even with the bound game was uh, a top twelve tight end. Uh, maybe you know maybe tight end thirteen at this point, but tight end's pretty bad. He's on a good offense and he gets exactly. targets, so yeah. I think he's just fine. For sure. And then I will actually go ahead and throw this last game over to you. After that uh, Kyler Murray injury and I locked up my last game of the week, I did not spend too much time watching this game, so I will let you take over this one. Sounds good, Cody. Monday night game. Arizona uh, hosts New England in this one. New England takes it 27-13. to 13. Let's start on the New England side, delay the bad news uh, a little bit here. Slow start for this team. Strong second half, especially from the defense. They had a defensive score on a Hopkins fumble, uh, and they locked this one down, ended up winning it pretty comfortably. Um, I think if Stevenson is out for any extended period, I'm pretty much not interested in a single Patriot at this point. Jacoby Myers did not end up suiting up in this one. Devontae Parker got hurt as well, so I can't imagine that there's any option you're comfortable starting. Uh, moving into your playoffs from the Patriots' perspective. Do you have any preference on Pierre Strong or I believe it's Kevin Harris uh, for a pickup, assuming Damian Harris is still out? He's the other factor in this situation, or are you just kind of you know hoping Stevenson's active and just completely you know not, not trusting anybody behind him if he isn't? Yeah, the issue with New England for me is, you know, I've I've had my hesitation on Stevenson maintaining his role just because New England is notorious for just having random running backs come in and take over certain roles and such. So um, I do think if Stevenson, if this is, if he avoided anything serious and he's back out there next week and doesn't have, you know, an injury designation going into the game, he would be the only guy I'd want to trust. Um, and then it very simple for me, if Damian Harris is active and Stevenson's out, Damian Harris would be the only guy that I'd want to trust. If Stevenson and Harris are both out, um, I would be happy to have Pierre Strong or Kevin Harris played against me in fantasy next week in a uh, must-win situation personally. So I, I, if you are that desperate that you're looking at either of those two guys, maybe you're the Stevenson owner or something, uh, I mean, call your shot because I, I honestly have zero clue who would be the one that would lead that backfield in carries. So yeah. I don't know how anyone would really be able to give you any strong advice. Pierre Strong's a rookie. I don't know if I've ever heard of Kevin Harris taking a snap in the NFL. So for me, it's just, it, it just comes down to that. It, it's Stevenson, Harris, and then after that, Damian Harris, and then after that, you're, you're just taking a guess. Yeah, I think the only reason I might have a slight bit of interest is because they play the Raiders next week. Uh, so it should be 
No, no, pretty no. decent matchup for them. I think I'd be shooting my shot on Pierre Strong. Uh, had the you know has a little bit of draft capital. I believe he was a fourth round pick, which is actually you know decent yep. investment in a running back. And uh, yeah, Kevin Harris, I know absolutely nothing about, so that would be the tiebreaker there. But uh, yeah, not not a very strong lean either way uh, on either one of these guys. Uh, I think Pierre Strong is a desperation pickup, and just hope that you get you know like a solid pregame report that says he's going to be the the lead guy for the pat or the rushing downs. But you know the, the Patriots love to play Hopefully running back against Adam Schefter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I don't know how you could trust anything <laughs> coming out of New England anyway. So uh, they're notorious for, for sure. feeding false information, especially from the running back room. Arizona, a nightmare year for them, Cody, to say the least. It gets even worse here. Uh, maybe even the the worst single thing that has happened to them so far this year. Uh, pretty much right away, as we talked about off the top, uh, Kyler Murray goes down with a knee injury. It's almost certainly an ACL. Uh, basically, anytime you have that mechanism uh, with a non-contact injury off of a you know a plant and change of direction, it's an ACL. So really tough news for Kyler, especially because his game relies very heavily upon his mobility. I would expect him to, um, you know, best case scenario, he can get back for week one next year, but that's probably going to be a really tall task. I imagine it'll affect him coming into the pre-draft process, which is just really disappointing for the Cardinals. It's going to be tough, uh, a tough offseason in Arizona. Do you have anything to add on the Kyler Murray situation, or do you want me to just get to the rest of these guys? Yeah, I mean, I just want to say that I, it, I, like you said, it, it's all but confirmed to be an ACL. I mean, he, like I said, not complete non-contact injury, and he basically like uh, fell to the ground right in front of a New England player, and I mean, almost immediately the New England player was signaling to the sideline to like yeah. get the training staff. Classic. So I don't know if Kyler Murray made an audible sound, if he heard a a snap in that knee or something, but it was pretty much instant that, that the New England defender knew something bad happened. So, and obviously not a good sign when you see that, but, um, you know, it was nice to see at least someone on the opposite team, you know, care for Kyler Murray to immediately call for help because it was not good looking. Yeah, wish the best for Kyler Murray. Hopefully it's a clean ACL tear and not, uh, you know, not doesn't have additional knee, uh, knee damage there. Otherwise, his, uh, the start of next year is going to be in serious jeopardy for him. James Conner, I think, is probably a beneficiary for the rest of the year as far as workload's going to go. He's going to see a lot of targets from Colt McCoy, who's not nearly as mobile as Kyler Murray, and he's going to get a lot of work on the ground in a really tough matchup against this Patriots team. He was kind of the lone bright spot. 15 for 85 and a score. He looked great, I thought, on the ground. He was just churning out yards uh five six yard carries pretty much every time he touched the ball his touchdown run was extremely impressive too got contacted at about the six yard line and just dragged the defenders into the end zone after that that's kind of a classic james connor run but he looks great and he should have a great run to end the season here uh does have some tougher matchups but he had a really tough one in this one and it did not matter uh deandre hopkins he had a tough game Seven for 11, 79 yards, lost a fumble, but I think he'll be just fine with Colt McCoy, a quarterback, got peppered with targets in this one, clearly, even without uh, Kyler. So I'm not downgrading him too much. Um, I, I just think that the target volume is going to be there, and Colt McCoy has shown himself to be a decent thrower of the football. I think he's a high-level backup in this league. Uh, do you have any you know, differing opinion on Hopkins there? Would you downgrade him a little more than I would? Um, 
I don't necessarily think so. I mean, Hopkins has never been a guy that, like, gets wide open necessarily. He's more of a jump ball kind of receiver. So I think Cole McCoy's shown that he can he can throw those up there for Hopkins in the, you know, games they have played together. So not too worried about Hopkins. Maybe gets a slight downgrade, but, I mean, if he's going from a top-level elite option down to a, you know, bottom bottom end wide receiver one, a very high-end wide receiver two, definitely not too much to – take note of um should be pretty solid the next guy you're going to talk about though i couldn't agree with you more i'm very scared for, scared about this next guy yeah marquise brown i think he's the guy that loses the most value without kyler on this offense um you know they had shown a decent connection earlier this season uh that being marquise brown and kyler murray and uh colt's strength colt mccoy's strength is certainly not you know deep balls 30 to 40 yards down the field I think, like you said, he can throw those 15-yard outbreakers to Hopkins where it's a little bit of a contested catch situation, but I'm not sure that you're going to see a ton of uh, you know go routes with uh, Brown on the outside where Colt's going to hit him in stride 35 yards down the field uh, outside of the numbers. That's just not his strength at this point in his career and probably really never was anyway. Uh, so, yeah, Marquise Brown, definitely his style of game does not mesh with Colt McCoy's quite as well as it did with Kyler's, so it uh, could be an unfortunate end to his season. I did uh, I did actually, I was I was pretty encouraged, I guess, for as, as much as you could be from Marquise Brown because they did show a, uh, you know, they, they tried to get the ball in his hands. They, they threw him a couple screens, which I really hadn't seen them do in previous weeks, so hopefully that could help give him a floor, but I'd, I'd be very, very hard-pressed to trust Brown in my playoffs probably thought you had a you know back end wide receiver two type moving forward but i i think you're most likely going to look elsewhere uh you know going forward until we see it with Cole mccoy yeah i will go ahead and just throw some hesitation out there next week at the broncos for these arizona options um hopkins may be downgraded even a little bit more just because of that matchup uh, i'd imagine he has pat sertan on him for the majority of that game yeah so, not great um yeah, not great for that at all. Maybe that does actually kind of boost up Marquise Brown, but we've seen this Broncos defense, even on the other side, be you know really good against wide receivers. So it's kind of scared off of that matchup. They do have the Buccaneers, which have been able to give it up at least a little bit. And then they end in uh, Atlanta, who has good cornerbacks, but their passing offense as a whole hasn't – passing defense as a whole has not been very good. So I think, you know, if you're in a – deeper league Marquise Browns you know I think I'd still very much hold on to him um even in a league that I'm in that's a little bit shallower I'm, I'm a little scarce at the wide receiver position so I think I'm even holding him there um but you know in a situation where you're in a shallow league and you can go out there and get a you know a valuable piece I do think Marquise Brown could be dropped just not the best matchups with the Broncos um you know like I said Buccaneers and Falcons are not terrible but you're then trusting Colt McCoy in the semis and the finals of your fantasy championship. That's just that's tough to do. And like I like to say, that's risky business. I, I don't want to have to be really relying on him unless I see something against Denver or you know something special against the Buccaneers before I put him back in. I agree with you on that one, my man. Uh, Marquise Brown would prefer not to drop him, but if you have to, I don't blame you. Yep, for sure. Well, that wraps up week 14 man our first regular season for the podcast is in the book so shout out nick uh appreciate you sticking it out with me throughout the season obviously the playoffs are here this is what we spent basically you know all the past six seven eight months however long we've been doing this now you know grinding away at it so 
Um, hopefully, we bring some championships home for the podcast. But I'm excited, man. Let's let's crush these next three weeks, and then uh, let's make a boatload of money gambling on the playoffs. Yeah, this is uh, you know this is why we do what we do for the playoffs. This is the where you you know will either be a success, have a successful season, or have a unsuccessful season at the end of the day. So hopefully, everybody is locked and loaded and ready to go for these next couple weeks. Yep. Everything through the first 14 weeks hurts just as bad, but these next three weeks, if any injuries pop up or, you know, like that Kyler Murray situation, if that were to happen oh, next man. week, oof, man, that's, that sucks. It hurts even more. So yeah. uh, good luck, everybody. Hit those waivers hard. Make sure you get those backups and you get those extra players that you need for your playoff push. But we will uh, we'll be at you guys with a Thursday night football preview and a full week 15 preview. So be on the lookout for those. Uh, Nick, any last words for the people before we get them out of here? Kenneth Walker, please, sir, just rest that ankle up. Fucking get get off your feet the next couple days and make sure you're good to go on Thursday, my man. Uh, the people need you, uh, especially this one person talking right now. So, Kenneth, uh, just, just do me that solid, please. Yeah, while we're at it, Ramondre, take this next week off. It doesn't mean that much to your team anyway. You guys would barely get in the playoffs if you won out. I guess you maybe maybe a little more than barely. Oh, that's but a huge don't worry game about for them. it, man. Just, <laughs> this is a huge game. Just for them. just just relax next week. Pierre Strong will do what he has to do for you, and then you come back whenever I need you in two weeks. I'd appreciate it, but <laughs> get better, man. But all right, peace out, everybody. See you guys.